Welcome to the You Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. We have taken quite a long pause, but with good reason. Yep. And we are back and so thrilled to be here with you. We are so excited. This is not an understatement. I just looked at when our last episode was and it was in May of 2020. So it's pretty it's pretty funny. It's like, what, seven months that we just kind of went, ah, we'll put this stuff on pause. <laughs> it's almost as if our uh, we were having a secret pregnancy, podcast pregnancy, um, so but we weren't. <laughs> Only I were two months away from giving birth. No, that's not true. It's not a. It's not something I want to be. No one's about. pregnant. No one's pregnant. We're starting off hot today, <laughs> aren't we? So I guess we should probably explain a little bit about where we've been in this seven-month hiatus. So, Lindsay and Coos, what's happened for you since May? <laughs> oh, not much. Just the same old, same old. I mean, twenty twenty for all the people has been intense and interesting, kind of scary, um, kind of exciting, challenging our norms. Um, Kusa and I and our kids moved across the country. We were mm. living in Portland. We now live in Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, we I'm very spent five weeks. Oh, it's been really wonderful. Right now, it's like 75 degrees in January. And it for is... all our non-American listeners, that doesn't mean anything to us. So <laughs> I'm going to guess beautiful. it's like 20-something degrees, peeps. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Sure. Sure. 22. Okay. Oh, there, there's the back check. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we did a five-week road trip during the pandemic to get here. I mean, um, great decision. I, I always think if there's a global pandemic, what should we do? Road trip road trip you know <laughs> sam you also moved well i mean i moved from thailand prior to may i've been living in my parents house in a in a little coastal town about three hours north of sydney and now i am about to move again into my own place in a beautiful beachside suburb of sydney so there's been lots of yeah moves um for, for all of us. So it's been interesting because not only is 2020 the year that it was, but none of us are, yeah, are living where we used to live. So it's been, to say it's been an adjustment is probably a bit of an understatement. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about this next move. So yes, I think we're all feeling a little more settled. Mm. And, you know, I think our decision, we made a conscious decision to pause on the podcast Mm-hmm. Not because we don't love it. We absolutely do. We all agree that it's something we want to keep doing. Yeah. Um, but when we looked at our priorities, it just didn't hit the the top ones to stay sane and stable mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah. So, so yeah, now we are we're looking at, <laughs> we're back and we're talking about what, what do we do around self-compassion and self-love going forward? What's interesting or different? What's changed since we started this podcast before, in the before times, you know, before the pandemic began? Mm. And do the things we talked about before still hold up? Are there new ways to 
look at how we do self-love and self-care. I think one of the great things to come out of this pandemic is that all of us, even even people that had never heard about self-care or self-compassion have kind of like this has been the time where we need to really double down on those skills and learn about them. And actually, you know, I cannot think of a more important time in our lives to be kind to ourselves. So I think a lot of people who may not have even had that in their lives are becoming more familiar with what that means to be kind to themselves. And also this piece, which we're going to talk about today around self-awareness, I think for anyone, again, that that didn't have a great deal of self-awareness, that didn't take a lot of time to pause and reflect and think about who they are and what they want for their life and, and all, you know, just really get to know themselves. I think 2020 and 2021 now, whether we liked it or not, was a time when all of us kind of had to, had to stop, had to pause, look at our lives and, and understand who we are and how we're going to get through this difficult mm-hmm. time. And I think you can't get through that without self-awareness. So I think a lot of us have been really learning and understanding more about ourselves in this time. I would say in some ways it's been the great pause where we have to pause how we do things, how we function. In other ways, it's been hyperspeed mm. around what we need to learn to cope that's completely different than how we've ever lived before. Mm. So, and so I think we've been forced into a lot of self-awareness that maybe some of us didn't choose. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I'm someone that, um, I, I feel like given the work that I do and just what I'm interested in, I've, I've felt like I'm someone that has kind of really good self-awareness and I know myself really well. And yet in the past 12 months, there's been a lot of things that I have learned about myself mm-hmm. that I didn't realize, or maybe I knew a little piece of, but that this, this year has really brought home to me in terms of the way that I work, um, how extroverted I am, how much structure I need, how much flexibility I need, how how much I need connection with other people, like things that I think I was aware of, but I've never been, yeah, I really have become hyper, hyper, hyper aware of, mm-hmm. of exactly what I need to to survive and to thrive. And unfortunately, a lot of it feels like it's not available to me at the moment. So then it's like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I talked to Sam and Coos earlier about this. A few weeks ago, I thought I invented a new term in the world of psychology. <laughs> We're just going to give it to you. We're just going to say that you did, Lindsay. <laughs> Nobody knows. 2021, Lindsay invented a word. <laughs> I was very proud of myself for this concept and this idea. And then I Googled it and it's a very well-known concept and idea. <laughs> Who knew? Other people have been talking about this for years. <laughs> Who knew? Not me, clearly. Not me. Um, but it came up kind of organically for me in a conversation with a client around, you know, this client is in particular really self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows himself. He knows what he wants. He knows he's done so much self-discovery work. And at the same time, everything has changed. A lot of things have changed for him. Mm. And so just to notice that... um the self-aware, the things he thought he knew about himself are not necessarily true anymore. Mm. And so it's not being self-aware is not the stable, unmoving target, but instead it's more of a relationship that you have with yourself. Mm. And so I, I term I came up with was self-attunement. I love it. Let's just say <laughs> you invented it, self-attunement. <laughs> and the idea around it is that it's not just being aware of what you like and who you are. 
Mm. but it's learning how to ask the questions around who am I now? Who do I want to be? Um, I'm a, a living, breathing relationship with myself. Mm. And can I allow for growth and change to happen? And what are the questions I need to ask myself that aren't always um, a static, stable answer? Yeah. I love that because that really is, you know, self-awareness does feel like more of a, more of a static concept of like, you know, here I am, I'm aware that this is who I am, but this self-attunement mm-hmm. idea is, no, actually that's evolving and changing all of the time. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I think is super interesting that I see over and over and over again in my work is people not giving themselves permission to choose again, mm-hmm. whether it whether it's a relationship, whether it's a career, whether it's, you know, it it could be any area of their life, but they feel very, no, this is who I am. I'm a lawyer. I've always been a lawyer. And, and they feel strange about saying, well, that was, you know, a part of my identity and it's who I've been, but actually now I'm, I have another interest and I want to invent something else for my life. So it's like that Mm -hmm. When you think of it like self-attunement, it really is. It does give you permission to to grow, to evolve, to be dynamic, which is the whole point of, of human existence, surely. <laughs> right. I also think a big part of it is if you treat your relationship with yourself like a relationship with someone else. Mm. You know, if I were to say when I met Coos, um, he actually hated Mexican food, which really? is this true? I mean, he didn't hate it. <laughs> didn't love it. <laughs> And now we live in Austin and we have tacos three, four times a week. (laughs) And so if I held him, I mean, this is a silly example, but if I held him to that standard, every Mm. time we got tacos, I'd be like, you don't, but you don't even like this. What what does this mean? You know, as opposed to saying things have changed, your interests, your tastes have changed. And I think for ourselves, um, you know, I think about how much we are invested into the Enneagram or personality profiles or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a, you know, I'm a two. And so this is what twos do. And I put myself in a box because I am a two, mm-hmm. you know, um, how much have I invested into that being my whole identity? Yeah. Is there, is it possible to question, am I always a two? Am I a two right now? Is this, you know, am I an ENFJ? Is that always true? You <laughs> yeah. know, have I, have I switched or changed? And again, I say personalities can't change, but I don't know, maybe they can. Yeah. Aspects of it certainly can. And I think when we think about relationships with other people, I think it's when we don't allow for change and growth and when we make assumptions about who a person is that that, you know, that's what leads to the breakdown of a relationship. You know, how many times do we do that with friends or our partners or our family in particular? We're very good at (laughs) thinking that we know everything about our siblings or our parents and, and really not giving these people permission to be a different version of themselves, you know, and I see Mm -hmm. this yeah, in, in couples that are struggling in long-term relationships where they have a very, very fixed idea of who their partner is. And it's almost like totally. that person doesn't even have the space within that relationship to change because because of these assumptions. And so if you look at that and understand, you know, it's our assumptions about and and clinging to these identities that ruin relationships we have with other people, it's the same as the relationship with ourselves. Like if if we're going to assume things about ourselves and not give ourselves space to change and to evolve and be a different human, then, you know, that's really like, it's an awful way to live. And I think, you know, I've, I've spoken to you about this, Lindsay, is this is one of my absolute joys of, 
of moving abroad and part of the reason why I do it so often is I feel like there's this extraordinary freedom in moving to a new city where nobody knows you because you do get to be whoever you want to be. And I often think, oh, how do people do this when they're living in one place their whole life? Mm -hmm. Because I do think it can be really hard for the people who have always known us to give right. us that that flexing space to say, you know what, I that belief that I used to have or that opinion or that person that I used to be close to, I'm just not that person anymore. You know? Right. I think the assumption piece is so huge. Mm. We assume yeah. so much about ourselves because we haven't mm. taken time to ask ourselves different questions. Yeah. You know, are you still into that? Is that still important value to you? Have any of your values or wishes, goals, dreams changed? Mm. And I do think because, you know, 2020 has been such an up, I don't even know how to, you know, how do you describe what 2020 is? Such a disrupting, you know, disrupting to who we are, disrupting to the way we do things, um, disrupting to relationships, all, I mean, in every possible way. Mm. Um, and I would also say all of the Black Lives Matter and racial inequities and injustices that are coming more to light, yeah. that have always existed, but are becoming more present and we're becoming more aware yeah. of how deep those systems run. Um, yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know? And so it gives us such valuable information of now that I had this new information to me, yep. um, where do I go with it? How do yeah. I change, um, change in the way that is authentic to who I am with this new information? Yeah. And how... <laughs> how do we do this, Lindsay? <laughs> or is it simply that? Is it asking ourselves that question and just stopping, you, reflecting, taking a moment? You know how lazy I am. <laughs> and <laughs> I would call, you know, not lazy, genius, but how to bring the tools that we already have in one area to an, another area. Mm -hmm. We don't need to learn new tools about relationships necessarily. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can always improve them, you know, buff them up a little bit. But uh, just as when you're in a long-term relationship with a friend, partner, whoever, a kid is a great example. Kids mm. are always growing and changing. Yeah, You know, uh, the things that my son was into when he was four are not what he's into at nine mm. at all. Yeah. You know, completely different. And, you know, I can think of a funny story of he was so into and obsessed with construction sites and fire trucks. He called them wheel wheels. Mm -hmm. And so every time a fire truck would go by, we, the whole family would light up and be like, Henry, wheel, 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 you know, like the idiots that we are. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We're, we're not. But I remember the time when I, you know, leaned back in the car and Henry, wheel, wheel. And he just didn't care. <laughs> He's like, and my heart it. kind of broke. I was like, oh, we're not doing this anymore. This is not thrilling to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like, what if I was, you know, at 18, still holding him to that, you know, mm -hmm. in the backseat of the car, Henry, look. And he's like, I could not care less. <laughs> But you know, isn't but that funny? Yeah, we do this with kids where we, we do, of course, they're kids and they're growing and they're changing. And then it's like we get to this point in time, I don't know what bizarre period where we go, I'm an adult now, like 21, I don't know when it is, 18. And we suddenly think that who we are is who we are and that what we like is what we like and our values are our values. And it's like, no, it's, it's changing just as much as it's a kid so is. It's so fluid, mm -hmm. so fluid. And I think when we don't recognize that it's fluid and that's changing, or we don't embrace that, the excitement and the adventure of that, 
we get really rigid and really upset. And mm-hmm. I would say also unkind. Yeah, completely. And I think the cool thing about, you know, realizing this is, again, it's bringing that spirit of curiosity. Like, what if you don't know anything about about yourself, about your partner, about your kids? Like, what if you were just meeting them today? What kind of questions would you ask and how would you get to know them? Because mm-hmm. you know, if you start to approach your life with more curiosity, again, that's it's such a kinder, gentler approach than, you know, oh, I'm here I go. Because actually something that I want to bring up is there's a lot of uh, ways that we can be judgmental of of changing our minds about things in adulthood. Like I know as someone that, again, if I put myself in a box as a seven on the Enneagram with lots of different interests, very often me pursuing different things and being interested in one thing and then six months later not being interested in it, you know, the sorts of words we use for people like that are very often flaky, like Mm -hmm. not committed to anything, you never finish anything. Like it's interesting to see, and of course there's, there are there's a difference in being like that and in just growing and changing but I think very often when we are experimenting and trying new things the out to the outside world that can look like what is this person doing like you know we have so much value placed on choosing a lane sticking to a lane developing deep expertise like staying on your thing becoming a master and again Mm -hmm. that kind of like amazing kind of putting that idea on a pedestal has meant that we we don't give ourselves a lot of room to just like try a totally different thing and and see well maybe there's something else outside of this little tiny narrow lane that I've invented for myself that I might actually enjoy. I think this brings up all the tools we've talked about in the past around how to be a more self-loving person. Mm. You know, can you give yourself permission to experiment more? Can you give yourself permission to change your mind or to to have new values even based mm-hmm. on the information you have now? Yeah. New priorities based on what you've learned or mm-hmm. experienced. What would you say is one thing that you've learned about yourself in the past 12 months? Oh, my word, on the spot, Sam. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> and I'm going to do the same to Coos. So Coos, just sit and reflect for a sec because you're not... <laughs> Can I go last? <laughs> sure. You can, you, I'll go. I can go after Lindsay. <laughs> He's going to pull the all of the above card. Um, I would say the most important thing I've learned, um, it really is around this self-attunement. I really, in the past, have thought, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I know my values. I, every year, I update my value statement. And it's it, it doesn't change a whole lot. You know, it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um But I do think in this past year, I probably haven't talked about it here, but I did some training in brain spotting. Yes. And it's a type of therapy. um, It's just, it's incredible. I could geek out all day long about it, but it's using your subcortical brain to process uh, emotions or beliefs or traumas. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty powerful. And so in my training, I had to actually uh, undergo part of that. You know, we therapists would practice on each other, these new techniques And I was pretty blown away about what came up for me. Mm. And interestingly, it goes quite well with this podcast. But the thing that came up for me was that I have always been loved. Mm. And that sounds basic. But when I put that lens back through my whole childhood, who I've been, who I'm I'm becoming, 
it gave me this surge of confidence and self-compassion and excitement that even in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we've had, we left our community, which we weren't seeing anyways, because <laughs> of lockdown. Um, but we left the familiar and we are trying something new. And I think this could be a time where I feel the most lonely or the most isolated, but because of this information and feeling this next level of deeper self-love and self-compassion, the loneliness is just not as present. I'm enjoying my own company. I'm okay. I know this isn't forever. I can hold on because I'm okay. Yeah. And I deeply love myself and I'm learning how to, to love myself in this new way. And I'm curious about it. And so I think that would be probably the biggest shift that's happened. I would also say rivaling that parenting, mm. uh, parenting during a pandemic, uh, doing the, the virtual school thing, having the kids have their whole lives, you know, ripped away from them in a day. Mm. And they didn't get to say goodbye to their friends in Portland when we moved away. That's pretty bizarre and traumatic. Uh, you know, they, they haven't made a whole lot of friends in Austin. So they're experiencing loneliness during a developmental part of their life. So I think learning how to parent using these same self-compassion, self-love skills and teaching these to my kids probably has been my focus and my, you know, taking up most of my attention, probably my biggest area of growth. I love it. Yeah. And Sam, you? I think... Most of it was, as I said earlier, it was kind of stuff that maybe I knew, but I didn't realize quite how important it was to me. So I think a lot of it's around just how much I really need other people, um, both in my work, but also uh, my friendships. So mm -hmm. I always knew that friends were important to me, but for me, my friends really are, because I've lived so much of my life abroad, my friends are my family. And I know we hear that all the time, like friends are the family that you choose. But for me, it really has been because I, I didn't have uh, my family with me in these other places. And so I have these very, very, very deep friendships that I'm epically grateful for. But I've never been in a position where I'm not in the same country as any of those people. And I cannot visit any of those people. So that's been just a huge realization of like it feels like an enormous loss and it has been, it's been, I've, I've been grieving a lot in the last 12 months, uh, my friendships, even though they continue obviously on, on zoom and on WhatsApp and whatever, but to know, oh, wow, I can't physically go and give this person a hug and see this person, you know, um, it'll be the longest. Yeah. that I haven't seen my friends in Paris and Sweden and, you know, it'll be coming up on three or four years. Um, by the time I get to see them, which just feels extraordinarily bizarre. Uh, so I think it's just really cemented to me how important it's going to be for me to really create some deep, deep friendships in Sydney and also mm -hmm. learning about how I work and that none of my personality is actually suited to running my own business and, <laughs> and that I need not only accountability, but I, I need to have co-workers and colleagues mm -hmm. and a team and so looking at creative ways that I can that I can collaborate and work with other people and also you know potentially take on part-time work with where I do have people around me because yeah I, I think I knew I was extroverted and I knew I liked being around other people but having had the last 12 months 
being just me in front of a computer coaching one-on-one and doing virtual speaking gigs but with not a single human being in my working environment for for 12 months has been epically hard and just not something that I want to continue so it's been a cool realization to say okay I can do this coaching but I need to have an another element I need to have people around me so bringing that back in that's been a big learning for me (laughs) I will say too, at the beginning of pandemic, yeah. we were talking on the phone two hours a day, maybe going on long walks together. Yeah. We were really leaning on each other. <laughs> Thank God for WhatsApp. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's and not that. Like, yeah. I have spent so much time with my friends this year on the phone, you know, as mm-hmm. we were having two hours a day. I was talking to Kritika, my my beautiful friend in India, nearly every day and, you know, my friends in Phuket. But then it just became... Well, now I'm on my phone eight hours a day. Like, <laughs> I mm-hmm. need to get some balance back. And again, that's the sort of thing where we're obviously where you're when you're not in a pandemic and when you live and you just can meet up with your friends, you don't need all of that time on the phone. So it's just been this bizarre, like, how do I get that that emotional mm-hmm. need of mine and that value of friendship met, you know, in in other ways now that we can't physically hang out. Do you remember back in the days when you have to like uh, buy minutes for your phone? Oh yes. Gosh, could you imagine all the? Uh, Do you know how execs <laughs> these days saying, "Oh my gosh, why did we ever change it to unlimited minutes?" <laughs> you know, when I moved to Canada in two thousand and five, it was like that. That doesn't feel that long ago. I mean, I guess it's it's coming up sixteen years ago now, but it was. It was an. I had to buy an international phone card for ten dollars, and it gave me like a hundred minutes, and I would keep, you know, then I would use it at like a pay phone, or even, you know, even if I was using it at the phone in my apartment. But you would keep right. this like really long pin code, and it mm-hmm. would be deducting minutes, and it would be like you have thirty two minutes left. <laughs> Now, wow. oh my gosh, yeah, I would be completely broke if that system still existed. <laughs> Koos, what have you learned about yourself in the last 12 months? I mean, I already learned everything that I need to know about myself. <laughs> I, uh, don't, I know one thing you've learned, <laughs> that you find succulent, um, fascinating. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right, yes. I do love succulents. I'm propagating succulents. And classically making sourdough. Yes, I have I have my yeast babies and now I have succulent babies. I think that one thing I learned is I am I mean I am very averse to change, unlike all you sevens. <laughs> I just want stability. Mm. Like moving, selling the house, it felt also stressful. Mm. at the end of it though i do learn that i'm a lot more resilient than i think of myself to be Mm. um Lindsay mentioned the road trip i think like when we did the family um value statement where we reflected on 2020 we all agreed that that road trip was probably the best thing that could have happened Mm. for us Mm. and partially because it was pandemic we we literally didn't go to restaurants. We were outside and we went anywhere. You know, we got creative with meals and stuff so we, we could avoid going into places. Mm. So it was like we're in a beautiful place without the, the trappings of normal vacation time or road trip time. Mm-hmm. So that 
non-stop togetherness. <laughs> yeah. And like just driving all over the places, not knowing what's going to happen next, other than this is where we're staying. Yeah. I feel like that's very unlike me. I and usually want things planned. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it kind of gives me the, uh, how do you say it? Uh, the license to, no, not the license, the permission to just keep trying something new. Mm. I'm curious from your perspective, because I do think like when I think of my personality type and the fact that I love change in, in some ways, I think, oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of lucky because this pandemic isn't maybe isn't as tough for me as for others, because I'm just used to like things feeling a little bit uncertain and out of control and like, who knows where I'll be next week. That's kind of always been like a theme in my life. So I, but Being I, in Australia is also a good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. I'm like, tell us about your lockdown, Sam. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, you know, for, for a personality type like yours, Coos, where you've just admitted that you're very averse to change, I think, you know, it must be so hard to be living through a pandemic with such like levels of, just uncertainty about what's going on. Um, and so I'm wondering for all the listeners that are also like that, because I think it's probably the majority of people that are averse to change or that find change stressful. I think, you know, I'm in the minority. Have there been anything, any practices or tools or things that you have done to calm yourself down and make yourself feel okay with that level of uncertainty, lack of planning, lack of structure? Like, yeah, for sure. You try oh. to find the, the little things that you have control over. Like the succulents. <laughs> like the succulents, your children. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you your know, sourdough starter. Yeah, making bread. <laughs> that that I have control over that. You yeah, know, but and like... cook, cooking. <laughs> we joke, but how cool is that, that your coping mechanisms <laughs> are making bread and plants? I mean. Creating new life. <laughs> yeah. And now Benzie's gotten, you know, told me that I should follow all these plant people <laughs> so I can start propagating other plants. Pretty for, soon I'm going to start my own plant shop. For the living in the jungle. For the listener, this sounds like an inside joke, but essentially a few weeks ago on the phone, Coos turned his video onto this, what can only be described as like a small plastic container of a shoebox size with. Uh, like a, a link or two <laughs> and he was so excited that I was just crying from laughter that that a leaf inside a plastic container <laughs> could be the highlight of someone's day I thought wow this is such a great metaphor for just what 2020 and 20 <laughs> has been if if this is where the joy <laughs> lies so now you have more tumentacoos but I love I it. More achievements. Oh, <laughs> because jokes aside, you know, I'm sure part of it is that this is the thing we need to focus on. Like, what are the simple things that get us through? <laughs> and if this thing gives you a sense of control in a uncontrollable world right now, then that that is the healthiest coping mechanism I know. Like, you know, I know it. You're not drinking and you're not taking drugs. You're just propagating Too much. plants. <laughs> Yeah, thank goodness it's plants, not meth, I guess. <laughs> Bonus. Bonus. 
I do think there can be some joy though. And again, I think about when you start dating someone or you meet a new friend, mm. you're just pumped about whatever they're doing. You're excited, you know, um, you're more open to trying new things because you're so pumped about this person. Mm -hmm. And if you are attuned to yourself, the same kind of thing, can you get jazzed and excited and joyful about exploring new parts? You know, when you have these constraints, mm -hmm. what beautiful parts can come out of that? You know, I think about artists who limit their palettes to certain colors mm. and how much creativity can explode when they put these constraints on their artwork. Mm. The same can be true for our relationship with ourselves. There are massive constraints externally, but that means our internal life can explode with creati creative ways mm -hmm. of being, of exploring, getting yeah. more curious about ourselves again. Yeah, I love that. It is like this beginner's mindset, right? And we bring this you know, to something new that we're learning or to, as you say, like if we're dating someone, it's like you, you show up and you have this beautiful, empty, open mind. And I think that's the hardest to have with ourselves because depending on how old you are, you know, like I'm 37. So technically I'm like, what do you mean beginner's mindset? I've known me for 37 years. Like there's nothing else to know. And it's like, no, no, no. Like this is the cool, yeah, the nature of ourselves is that every day, you know, we can potentially be a different, discover a new part of ourselves and be a different version of ourselves. And how can we bring that, yeah, that beginner's mindset to ourself and, and be like, what if I don't know anything about myself? Like, what if this is a whole, mm -hmm. yeah, what if I could just really look inwards and, and figure out who I am today, like in this version, in, in quarantine version, in lockdown version, like who is, she, who is she? Like, what does she want to be like? So the best book I read this past year was by Matt Haig, The Midnight mm -hmm. Library. And the thing I love the most about it was, I will try to have no spoilers. I'm pretty passionate about this book, though. I gave it to my sister for Christmas. I'm sending it off to another friend. I keep trying to pressure Sam to read it, I even really though she's a nonfiction. <laughs> I know, you're a nonfiction girl, but come to the, come to the bright side. I'll do it. Um, but in this book, it just talks about... Um, a woman who goes to a library and each book in the library is a different way her life could have gone if she had made a different choice. Mm. And they were all so drastically different lives. And we all have permission for that. We all have permission to begin again, mm -hmm. to get curious, to be like, what if I followed this piece out? What if I followed this little inkling of, you know, this sparks a little joy for me. I'm going to follow it all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. um, that's self-attunement. That's, that's permission to grow in your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is very helpful, practical advice. Um, maybe that is a good place to wrap up this episode, actually, for anyone that is listening and wondering, well, how do I practice self-attunement? I think, you know, Lindsay's just given you a really a great way of doing that, but it really is just looking at this exploration of who are you? Where is that joy? What if you follow those threads? What you know, what version of your life could possibly exist for you. It's kind of like, yeah, becoming, again, becoming an explorer of your own inner world and uh, and giving yourself permission to to approach this with a blank slate as a new beginning and be like, hmm, what now? And this is one of those things that can be used in all sorts of places, not just with self-attunement in your relationship with yourself, but try it with your partner, try it with your friend. Who are you now? What's yeah. important to you? What's sparking joy or what coping skills working best for you? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because for me, one of the other brilliant things about moving home has been rediscovering who who my family are, who my sisters are, because mm-hmm. they're different. They're different to the people they were four and a half years ago when I moved to Thailand. And I think that's been beautiful and surprising and, and mm-hmm. seeing my own assumption of who I thought these people were and then being like, actually, they're showing up differently. Like this, this relationship feels different. We feel different. And it's been really nice to, to realize, oh, yeah, <laughs> we are all changing. So. So is this episode being dedicated to your sisters this week? Sure. It's like, this goes out to, <laughs> to my sisters, to Hayley and Vanessa and Jackie, if you're listening. <laughs> I know they're not. Actually, Hayley probably will. <laughs> is she your favorite? Ah, there's no favorites. There's no favorites. <laughs> so I guess thank She's you. She's my favorite. <laughs> Who's your favorite? Hayley for listening. <laughs> okay. Okay. She's going to love that. And the other two won't even know that you said that, so it's fine. <laughs> um, thank you, I guess, everyone for listening to this episode and for still being here with us even after a seven-month disappearance. We're hoping not to disappear again, you know, in the near future. But at the same time, we give ourselves permission to evolve and change and <laughs> and, and we're not making any promises, people. But, yeah, we hope that you are as excited as we are about being back and thank you for listening thank you for listening to this episode our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved if you want to continue this conversation you can find us at yourinfinitelyloved.com